My name is Jamie Wynn, and I have a confession to make. Even though I'm a doctor, I'm a terrible patient, just the worst. In February, I went to the dentist, and I had my first filling. Ouch. And I thought to myself, I was doing absolutely fine until I went to the dentist. If I just never go again, it'll be just fine. When I was, if I was going to the doctor, that would be in the rare, very rare occasion. And if I do go, I know exactly what I want from the consultation. And I'll use my many years of medical experience to subtly guide the consultation <laughs> towards my goal, saying exactly the right things. Please don't manipulate your GP, they don't like it. <laughs> now, up until last year, I loved to run. Well, I still love to run, but I did a lot of running. But one morning, I woke up, and my Achilles was not feeling right at all. And I thought to myself, Achilles problems can be pretty bad, so I better get myself to the GP really quick. Anyway, two months passed, I didn't go see the doctor. But my Achilles is feeling better, and I think, yes, I'm gonna go for a run. I think you know what happens next. I woke up the next morning, and it was even worse than it was before. So now I'm thinking to myself, Jamie, you're an idiot. You should have seen the doctor. You shouldn't have gone for that run. You need to get to the doctor ASAP. So anyway, six months passed. I didn't go to see the doctor. <laughs> and the funny thing is, my dad is actually kind of similar in a slightly different way. He was a GP, now retired. He was an excellent GP. He treated his patients really well. But I've got to say, he didn't really look after his own health in the same way. Something of a tendency to overtreat. We have in our family the Wynn Family Pharmacy, also known as my dad's kitchen cupboard, <laughs> filled to the brim with all sorts of goodies. Not goodies, sorry. <laughs> you know, it goes back even further to my dad's parents. When my dad was in Vietnam, a young lad full of youth and exuberance. You're still full of youth, Dad, if you're listening. <laughs> he loved to do judo. He went to the local judo club, and he practiced his grapples and his throws. But one sparring session with some slightly older, bigger kids, things were a bit rough and tumble. And then, snap, my dad's arm broke. Now, it wouldn't be so bad, except his parents thought, we're not going to take you to see the doctor. Now, bring it here. Wooden plank on one side, wooden plank on the other, tie it together, problem solved. The problem was kind of solved. It did heal, but now my dad can only extend his arm to there at the most. We do some silly things in our lives, don't we? Kind of like how I don't always look after my health in the way that I should. Some of these things are things that God doesn't want us to do. Some of these things are things that pass down through the generations, like they do from my dad's parents to my dad and to me. We see flaws in our parents, don't we, and think, oh, we're not like them. But then later on we realize, oh man, I'm exactly like my dad. I'm exactly like my mom. It's almost as if we're genetically one half of mom and one half of dad. <laughs> Something I learned in medical school. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so if you haven't already guessed, we are looking today at 
the awkward bit at the end of the passage in Exodus. The awkward bit about punishing children that Luke alluded to a few weeks ago. And you thought to yourself, which poor sod is going to have to preach on this bit? <laughs> that would be me. So let's have a look at that passage. And he, Yahweh, passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, abounding in love and faithfulness. And the bit we're looking at today, the rest of the verse. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parent to the third and fourth generation. This passage is amazing, isn't it? Yahweh is telling us who he is, the very essence of his character. Every part of it is important. But as important as each part is, I think today we are going to focus a little bit more on that very last bit. So we're just going to take a very quick look at the first bit. Maintaining love to thousands. Maintaining, not just for a short while, but forever. Love, not just companionship or kindness, but deep, unconditional affection. Thousands, not just to a handful of privileged few, but for everyone. It's amazing. And the Hebrew word used for maintaining here could also be translated as to protect or to guard or to preserve. And that's a beautiful image of Yahweh preserving his love, keeping it ready for anyone, for everyone, and it never runs out. And then Yahweh says, forgiving all kinds of sin. He doesn't just say sin here. He says all kinds of sin. Now, the, the word sin, I think it evokes all sorts of different thoughts and emotions for each of us, doesn't it? But at its core, sin is when we turn our hearts away from God in whatever shape or form that might be. And Yahweh is saying, any kind of sin I will forgive. So that's pretty uncontroversial, right? God is loving, tick. God is forgiving, tick. Question time for that part is over. Now come with me as we explore the really difficult part of this passage. There's a lot more to this verse than first meets the eye. So I'm going to break this down into four key points. Four points with two buts. First point. Yahweh doesn't punish us for the sins of our parents. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, Jamie, that's the opposite of what the verse says. Do you even read the passage before you prep for today? These four points are going to be pretty long, aren't they? But no, bear with me for a moment. <laughs> bear with me for a moment. First, let's imagine the scene. Moses has climbed Mount Sinai just like that. He's standing on top of this beautiful mountain, and Yahweh, in all of his glory, descends from the clouds in this shield-your-eyes kind of moment. And he doesn't stop there. Yahweh passes in front of Moses, in front of tiny little Moses, and he speaks to him. 
And he says, my name is Yahweh. Hallelujah. I am loving. Yes, Lord. Tell me more. Tell me more. And I'm going to punish your kids and your brother's kids and their kids, just all of the kids, and it's your fault. Ah, come on. Can we go back to your love? I really liked hearing about your love. So I may have taken some artistic license in the depiction of that scene. <clears throat> but wouldn't it be amazing if we could know what was going through Moses' mind as God spoke those words to him? But you know what? We actually get to know that. Later on in Deuteronomy, Moses is preaching to God's people, the Israelites. And he says to them, Parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. Okay, but maybe Moses was afraid to give the Israelites such a hard truth, and he was afraid of getting stoned. I mean, there's a precedent for that. But no, Moses was a stand-up guy. He didn't go rogue. Later on, there is supporting evidence. Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, says, the child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. Now, it's pretty conclusive, right? Yahweh does, does not punish us for the sins of our parents. Great news. But I mentioned a but coming earlier. There's a but coming here. But sin does have consequences. No. Sin does have consequences. If you think about it, mistakes are often their own punishment. You lie and you get found out. You steal and you get caught. You gossip and get a reputation. You hate and you become bitter. You judge others and you become conceited. And Yahweh doesn't even have to lift a finger, and we're already facing the consequences. Think back to last week when Hannah was talking about Yahweh's passive wrath. That's exactly like that. And it's not only that. Mistakes affect other people too, even down the generations. Imagine if two parents are abusive or are criminals. The kids, think of their kids and the emotional and behavioral damage that might be done. And then later on, when they have kids, they might have a rough upbringing too. And you can see how easily the consequences of mistakes pass down the generations. And I know that's a bit of an extreme example. And often, it's something much more subtle and simple. It can be an attitude, a pattern of thought, or a pattern of behavior that becomes so normal in someone's upbringing that they don't even realize it might be straying from where they should. So, if Yahweh doesn't punish us for the sins of our parents, and sin is its own punishment, man, where is Yahweh in this whole sin thing? Well, that brings us on to point number three. Yahweh is just and punishes sin. Yahweh is just and punishes sin. Now, we know that Yahweh, that God, is full of love. He's all about forgiveness, but he is also all about justice. Now, justice is to receive 
what one deserves. No more, no less. And when Yahweh says here that he does not leave the guilty unpunished, it's not because he's cruel and vindictive and unforgiving, no. It's because he's perfectly righteous, unquestionably fair. It's because he hates sin and wants to see it eradicated so that the only thing left is love. It's because he is our father and he loves us as his child and he wants to see us do better. When a parent tells off their child, it's not, it doesn't come from a place of hate. It comes from a place of deep love. And that's the relationship here times like a thousand. In this verse, Yahweh is saying that mistakes have consequences, that when parents make mistakes, their kids will probably make the same mistakes, and maybe their kids too. He's saying that he's fighting against sin and wants to see it gone forever. He's saying that he loves us as a father. Well, Sin has consequences. Yahweh punishes sin. Give us a break. We need a but here, don't we? Desperately wanting a but. And let me tell you, there is a but coming. Maybe the greatest but of all time. <laughs> but with one TG too. <laughs> Yahweh is merciful and wants to set us free. Yahweh is merciful and wants to set us free. And when you first look at this verse, you think it's just, I mean, it just looks like it's all about justice and guilt and punishment, but actually it's all about mercy too. Notice how Yahweh says maintains love to thousands. Some translations say to the thousandth generation. And compare that to the punishment, only going to the third or to the fourth. If we were to get what we deserve, it would be the other way around, wouldn't it? We'd get a little bit of love to the third or the fourth, and then punishment to the thousandth. But it's not like that, is it? No. This verse presents a hard-hitting truth, but God's incredible mercy rises up from behind these written words and says, hey, if you're amazed by my justice, just wait till you see my mercy. If you are amazed by my justice, just wait. Just you wait till you see my mercy. Now, this verse doesn't do what it says on the tin at all, does it? No, Yahweh doesn't punish us for the sins of our parents, but sin does have consequences. Yahweh is just and punishes sin, but he is merciful and wants to set us free. Notice how the number of generations is not even hard and fast. It's maybe to the third, maybe to the fourth. It's not set in stone. There's an opportunity there to break free. Yahweh is inviting us to break free from sin. Now, sin is like a parasite, isn't it? It grabs and it grows and it spreads and it doesn't let go. It even descends through the generations. But Yahweh says, I'm going to keep fighting to eradicate sin, no matter how many generations it takes. I'm slow to anger, forgiving all kinds of sin. I even sent Jesus to die for you. That's the depth of my mercy. Yahweh is saying, I hate this sin parasite, 
and you should too. Fight it with me. Break free before the fourth generation, even before the third generation. And all the while, my love is there, protected, waiting for you. Sin is a parasite that won't let go until you're completely enslaved. But you know what? Yahweh is a God that won't let go until you are completely free. Until you are completely free. Now, has anybody here ever had a parasitic infection? Don't answer that, please. Now, people that know me well know how much I eat. I just eat ridiculous amounts of food. I see people laughing. It's okay. I've accepted that part of myself. I'll sometimes, I'll often turn up to a dinner party or going out to dinner with friends. And by that point, I've already had like lunch number two, dinner number one, and nobody's sure where these calories go. I'm like a black hole for calories. Just an onslaught of meals I keep, have to keep eating just to stay alive. <laughs> I've had friends who've been genuinely concerned for my health. Uh, it's friends that have suggested I should go to put myself through a scientific research study to figure out what's going on. Other friends who've been concerned I've had a parasite inside me that's eating up those calories and growing. You know, I went to Vietnam once for two months as part of my medical training. And there is amazing street food there of all kinds. And street food does come with certain risks. I came back and my parents thought, just in case, they will put me on some anti-parasitic medications. Medications that are available from the Wynn Family Pharmacy. <laughs> but I took those medications, and I didn't have a parasite. I'm still a black hole for calories, and I don't know how to escape this onslaught of meals, like a hobbit. That is a parasite I don't know how to fix. But you know what? When it comes to the parasite I have called sin, I know that I have freedom in God. I know that I have freedom in Yahweh. Now, in this incredible passage, Yahweh declares his name, tells us his character. And why does he do that? Because he wants us to know who he is. And more than that, he wants us to be like him. But how can you strive to take on aspects of Yahweh's character? Can you really hate sin as much as Yahweh hates sin? Well, it might not be quite as hard as you might think. You think about the mistakes in your life and the consequences that they've had even beyond yourself, to friends or to family, to other people. Think how often our mistakes are their own punishment. Maybe it's not so hard to hate sin after all. Are there any subtle patterns of thought or attitude that have been so normal in your upbringing that you don't even realize that God might want you to break free there's an opportunity to break free from this pattern. Yahweh is inviting you to break free. And we're not talking about disowning your parents here. This is, this is not about it being the child's fault or the parent's fault. This is about when we turn our hearts away from God 
for whatever reason. And Yahweh is saying, come back to me. My love is here, ready for you. Come back to me. I finally went to see the doctor a couple of months ago. It was indeed an Achilles problem as I had subtly guided the consultation towards the diagnosis. Kind of defeats the point, doesn't it? But anyway, the doctor gave me some exercises to do. That was two months ago, and I still haven't looked at the exercises, but baby steps, people, <laughs> baby steps. I've got another story for you. My parents, who I seem to talk a lot about a lot at G2, especially my mum, don't like to see, don't like me and my sister to see them make mistakes. Now, they once had a venture to buy a property by the coast, and it was beautiful and exciting, but unbeknownst to me and my sister, there were some problems brewing. After, you know, over the course of a year, problem after problem with this property mounted, and eventually my parents had to sell with a loss. My parents sat me and my sister down to break the news, and my mom was looking really serious and solemn. And me and my sister were genuinely worried that somebody had died. And then my mom was like, we had to sell, and then me and my sister were like, oh, thank goodness, nobody died. <laughs> and I was, as I was reflecting on this, I thought how different that journey would have been with a dose of humility, with a dose of it's okay to have flaws and make mistakes. Now, speaking of humility, speaking of humility, God blessed me with academic smarts. Sorry, there's no other way to say it. I'm just smart, okay? <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> now, back in secondary school, I was known as being the smart kid, the one that didn't have to work hard and would still get top marks. There, yeah, that really annoying kid. And I was proud of that, and not like a good kind of pride. If I was to start working hard when I needed to, I wouldn't be that kid anymore, would I? And so I didn't work hard. And it almost cost me big time. I was doing my A-levels, trying to get into medical school, and if I had dropped a single mark in each module, I wouldn't be a doctor today. That was a massive, life-changing lesson in humility that perhaps I didn't grow up learning enough about. I learned the value of hard work and the danger of pride. And I've been trying to break free ever since. Now, what if I could break free. What if we all could break free like Yahweh is inviting us to do? What if we could recognize the patterns that are following us and do something about them? Imagine the impact it would have if we could change ourselves, the impact on friends, on parents, on children, even on our children's children. But hang on a minute. Breaking free Sounds like an insurmountable task, doesn't it? And actually, it's kind of worse. It's impossible without God. It's impossible without God. And you know what? The great thing is, Yahweh knows that we can't do it by ourselves. He is fighting with us. In fact, he's fighting for us whether we're with him or not. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for us so that we don't have to. Even though we turn our hearts away from him, he doesn't forget us, he forgives us. He doesn't desert us, 
He died for us. He wants to surround us with his love. And if we're surrounded with his love, there's no room for anything else, is there? Okay, so I know I've got to break free, and I know I need Yahweh to do it. How do I even begin? A great way to start is to focus on Yahweh. Turn our hearts to Yahweh and pray. To focus for a few moments and think that we have a God whose name is Yahweh, who is loving and compassionate and gracious and forgiving. To pray and say to God, we need your justice in this world. We thank and praise you that you are such a just God. We thank and praise you that you are so merciful and so loving. To approach Yahweh and humble ourselves. Ask for forgiveness. And then finally, to pray from the bottom of our heart, I say yes to your love, set me free. To scream and to shout, I say yes to your love, set me free. Set me free. So let's do that now. I'm going to lead us in a few minutes of silent prayer and reflection. I'll give you a few cues along the way. So if you join me, close your eyes, still your mind, and just start by pausing and turning your heart to Yahweh. Think about the aspects of his character that we've looked at today or in previous weeks. That he's loving and gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, just merciful. Maybe there's something that has touched you in the week. Just focus your hearts on Yahweh.